man, I think that what's interesting too is the power of just reaching out. We have a man in our church named Mark. And Mark, uh, he came to us, actually you saw the Christmas outreach there, did you see? I was, I was Santa Claus up there. And uh, I don't know, I feel like that was stereotyping me though. <laughs> but uh, I was Santa Claus there. And uh, when we started that outreach, as we were gearing up for it, I get a phone call one day. And it was from a businessman in the community. And he says, I'm looking to just kind of bless some people during the holidays. And I'd like to partner up with a church. Could I sit down and meet with you? And so I began to tell him, like, hey, we actually have an outreach we're doing right now, and this is what it is. And so he and his wife come and meet with us. He's talking to me. Here's about it. He gets really excited. And he says, Joe, there's one problem. He says, I'm Parsi, which is a, an Eastern religion. And uh, he says, do you have a problem partnering with me if I'm Parsi? And I just asked him a question. I said, Mark, do you love people? He said, yes. And I said, then we can work together. And so we begin to reach out. And you may say, well, they all got to be Christians because it contaminates the water. Let me tell you something. I was looking for an opportunity. I was like, man, this guy is about to get blown away with the love of Jesus. So he has about 150 people underneath him in his company. And he begins to throw out, hey, we're going to do this with, with this church and this big outreach. And we're going to buy Christmas gifts for these kids and da-da-da. And so a bunch of people from his company come. They show up. They help us with the outreach. And let me tell you this. Uh, I begin to meet with Mark. He asked me to come and speak at his company. And he asked me uh, to give him and his wife marriage counseling. And, oh. man, he, 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 he begins to talk. And here's the deal. Our relationship grows. Mark, when I first met with him, I went to speak at his company. He says, Joe, can you just not say the name Jesus when you're here? <laughs> and I was like, well, all right. So I, I, I didn't say, I, I said everything but the name of Jesus, right? Come on. Then under my breath, I was like, Jesus, okay. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I start the relationship that way. He, he looks me right in the eye at our first meeting. Hey, I just want you to know, you're not going to convert me. I was like, Okay. I'm not into converting anybody. I'm into leading people to Jesus for a relationship. <laughs> and uh, so we talk and we're hanging out. And over a few months of building relationship with Mark, he gives his life to Jesus one day, gets baptized. There's been several people from his company that have now plugged in and been baptized and given their life to Jesus. And I'm telling you, these aren't like church folks. These are unchurched. They don't even know. They cuss at me while I'm preaching sometimes, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and uh, Pastor, Pastor Jay was getting excited. He's like, but uh, no, and, and man, and not in anger. They're like, they're like that's how they say amen. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and uh, man, it's been awesome just to see how God has used that relationship. And what's awesome, I said to Mark one day, because he's, he's a pretty wealthy guy, and I said to Mark one day, you know, why, did you, why do you go to our church? He says, Joe, the reason I go to your church is because you are always you. I like being around people that are themselves. Oh. And that brings me to my point tonight, because in order for us to be on mission, we talk about near and far, right? The nearest place to be on mission is right here, me. And the most important part of being on mission is being the best me, really being me. Because here's the deal. You will touch a group of people that I will never touch, and I will touch a group of people that you will never touch, but together we will touch the entire city, we will touch the places we live in, and we'll see change happen. 
So we're going to talk about being the best me tonight. The best me tonight, if you want to turn to Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 9. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 9. First point here is the best you is an authentic you. So if you get around me, I kind of, people joke, they're like, there's always something going to happen when you're hanging out with Joe. Just something strange will always happen, right? You ever been around those people? Like, there's just something that happens. Sometimes they cause it to happen. Sometimes. So uh, 4th of July, we go down to this big ballpark and uh, man, I decide I'm going to join in on this hot dog eating contest. So <laughs> listen, some people are athletic. I'm not. So I just choose to do competitive eating. <laughs> That's my athletic. That's what I do for competition. So I go down and I do this hot dog eating contest. And my wife, she already knows. She's like, oh, no, this is going to turn out bad. Like, whatever this is going to be, this is not going to be good. And so we sit down. I do this hot dog eating contest. I just kill it. Like, the people that are watching, they're like, <gasps> like, like I'm some sort of beast sitting there eating these. Everyone else has quit because they, I got so far ahead of them. And they, they, bring, <laughs> they bring the jumbotron over to me. <laughs> And they, and they put me on the jumbotron in the whole stadium there. There's thousands of people. And in my excitement, I said, I'm the pastor of River City Church. Come join our church. <laughs> so so I, I'm, I'm all pumped about having won this. And I, I was telling Mark about it. And Mark, uh, he says, oh, that's so weird. Because the other night, I had someone at my house, and I started telling them about our church and about our pastor, and they said, oh, I saw him on the Jumbotron at Goodyear Ballpark. <laughs> and so, man, we use any and all methods, right? Any and all methods, and you just be yourself, be who you are, whether you eat hot dogs, you throw footballs, you fish, you do arts and crafts, whatever you do, you do it to draw people to Jesus. So let's just read this right now. Romans 12, 6 through 9. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. I think that's so cool how Paul lays that out. Because too much in church, we are competing to be the same or we're competing for the gifts we see as the best gifts. And I see it a lot, man. People just get obsessed with competition. They, and, and they're looking for someone else and their gift and saying, man, I want to be like that or I want to do that or I want to, I want to. And they keep obsessing with doing, they get on Facebook and see what everybody else is doing. And man, they're looking at their Instagram accounts and seeing what everybody else is doing. And they're getting their meaning from what someone else is doing instead of turning to the creator who says, I'm doing a work in you. I want to do a work in your heart. I want to use you, the best you, to reach many, many people around you, around you. Look at somebody right now and say, I need to be the best me. 
I need to be the best me. I love this quote by Bob Goff. Bob Goff is a writer. He's written books like Love Does and Everybody Always, incredible books. He says this, we won't be distracted by comparison if we are captivated by purpose. If we are captivated by purpose. See, too many of us are captivated by comparison. We're looking and trying to figure our life out, trying to figure out what, what somebody else is doing and try to rise to them. But see, the Spirit of God in you wants to take you places you never imagined. But listen, if you're trying to go where someone else is, that place is already filled. So don't try to go there. Go where God has positioned you. The authentic. See, there's something about being captivated by purpose. See, when I went down to Avondale, Arizona, I have to be honest. At times, I was captivated by comparison. I had a picture in my mind of what it should be like. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to, and God was just up there like, you ain't going to do none of that. Stop it. Wow. Just stop it. Wow. And there came a season in my life where God began to rewrite the script, and it's like everything that I imagined began to get washed away, and God began to fill me with what he imagined. Wow. And I began to get obsessed with his heart and his purpose. And man, instead of looking like, where are the chairs and who's sitting in the chairs? I begin to say, where are the lost? Man, where is our city's need? Where is it that people need Jesus? And let's get there. And the obsession changes. And what happens inside of you? You begin to be released to be you. There's some of you who have felt so misunderstood. Man, you have felt like you are a square peg trying to fit in a round hole. And God is telling you tonight, stop trying to fit where I didn't form you. Fit where I put you. Man, and you just get that. Just get that. It's okay if they misunderstand you. It's okay if they don't understand what, what you're doing. You need to do it under Jesus and let him do a work in you, through you. Authentic. Authentic. Number two, J.O. started talking about this. The best you takes it personally. Takes it personally. So I started talking about the different schools in our area. And it's funny because where I live is about 15 minutes from our church. But I live in this mountainous area. It's like a resort all the time. It's totally different than the neighborhood our church is in. And I love it because I see both ends of the spectrum. And uh, so my wife recently, she got uh, a job as a librarian at one of the schools, right? And we were talking about pickup lines. How many of you have ever picked your kids up from school and experienced a pickup line? It is a test of your Christianity. Seriously. I'm like, it's so simple if we all do what we're supposed to do. Like, it's a pickup line. You, you follow the car in front of you. That's all you have to do. And in our pickup line, man, it's funny because the difference, I was talking to my wife about it, you know, our pickup line, people will come there and they're, all right, it's time to pick up the kids. Her pickup line's like the opposite. It's like, get in. They don't even stop. They're just kicking the door open. Quick, come on, kids. But at every pickup line, there is a sign that says, please pull forward, right? And inevitably, what will happen is somebody doesn't pull forward, and there's a horrible backup. Every time that this happens, you, you see the gap begin to happen. This car takes off the next car, and this car's still here. And I'm thinking to myself, I see the sign, please pull forward. And I'm thinking, this person has decided that that sign does not apply to them. 
They've decided that applies to everybody else in the line, but not to me. You see, how many of us are sitting in church and we're hearing, go and preach the gospel, and we're like, that sign applies to somebody else. That sign applies to the guy sitting next to me. That applies to Pastor J.O. That applies to the staff at the church. And no, you got to take it personally. you got to understand that the word of God applies to you. It, it, it doesn't just skip over you to your neighbor. It applies to you. Say, me. 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 Come on. The best you takes it personal. The best you takes it personal. I think it's funny because a lot of us, when we hear that, I think some people take the wrong things personally in church and not the right things personally in church. I'm going to take it personal if they don't say hi to me. I'm going to take it personal if they don't ask me to help. I'm going to take it personal if I don't get a phone call. I'm going to take it personal if the pastor doesn't like me or doesn't say hi to me or uh, today he, he had to run to the bathroom too fast so he must not like me. I'm going to take it personal. How many of you ever felt that way? Wow. How dare he? How dare they? How dare they didn't ask me on the worship team? How dare they didn't ask me to be on the fit team? How dare they do that to me? You need to get it right and switch it around here. Say, how dare I ignore the word of God? How, how dare I not do the great commission with my life? How dare I not take this personal? Listen, because when you take it personal, you don't got time to take other things personal anymore. Everything else doesn't matter as much. I hope your amens morph into action today. I hope as loud as you shout in church, you shout the gospel with your life. I hope that you take it so personal from this time forward that you know, man, there are people around you going to hell, and it's my responsibility to get them to the kingdom of God. But too many of us do it like this. So we take that part personal. We throw out the touch card or whatever. But our goal is to get them to church. Our goal is to get them to an outreach. Those are great things. Those are tools. Those are vehicles. But you are the one that's to bring them to Jesus. You're the one that's to sit there and, and, and man, you say, but I don't know the, I don't know the Bible. I, in Revelation, it doesn't say they overcame by their theology. It says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You got a testimony that will set them free. Take it personal. Take it personal. Somebody getting mad yet in church? You guys want me to leave now? You will by the end of this. Okay. I love you guys. You guys like to have fun tonight. I know this. If people came out on Friday, you hungry. Okay? You hungry. Let's look at somebody next to you and say, I'm hungry. Say it like, like with a growl. Like, I'm hungry. Okay? Kind of raise your top. I'm hungry. All right? <laughs> you came out on a Friday. I know you're hungry. Number three, the best you is an undistracted you. An undistracted you. I remember uh, this one day, we have these two lakes. Well, they call them lakes in Arizona. They're more like ponds. They smell weird. And there are things that come out of them that I don't think God created. <laughs> I mean, our lake, like, it has a sign that says, no, Bieber. I was like, Justin Bieber, what? Why is the hate on him? It means don't drink the water. <laughs> like, no drinking this water. Like, you know, somebody was like obsessed. They're like, I got to take a drink of that water. And they, and they found out that was a bad idea. 
And then it says no swimming, you know. But yet they'll put you out on a boat on it. They're like, just don't capsize because your life's over at that point. <laughs> but I'll walk these lakes, and I'll walk, we'll call them ponds. I'll walk them in a prey, and it's kind of become one of my traditions when it's not 108 degrees there. Uh, yes, the summers are very hot. If you ever want to relate to me in the summer, just turn on your oven on preheat, open the door, and stick your head in. That's what I'm feeling. So just pray for me at that time. But I'm sitting there praying, and man, these flies begin to land on me. And I'm swatting the first one away. And I'm trying to get into my time with Jesus. And another fly lands on me, swat it away. Another fly lands on me, swat it away. Another fly, I'm like, what in the world? And pretty soon, I'm getting agitated. I'm like, God, why did you make flies? <laughs> and I'm just getting more and more angry. And man, I... I got so frustrated that I couldn't even pray. I mean, I was just like, you ever been so frustrated you couldn't pray? You know, come on. Don't look at me like, oh, you're supposed to always pray. There are times we don't feel it. And I was upset and I'm, I'm getting agitated and God says, don't let the flies distract you. I said, what do you mean, God? He said, there are flies in your life that come to distract you from the purpose that I've given you. There are flies, little flies, little annoying things, little things that are taking away from your focus on what God has for you. That fly may be a disappointment. That fly may be a pain that you had. That fly may be, man, someone at your workplace that you just don't like. Man, that fly can be all sorts of things. But here's the deal. You let the flies distract you, they will take you off purpose. They will take you off mission. It's the little things, though. It's not the big, massive elephant that comes at you. It's the little fly that lands on you. See, because when something really big happens, something happens to me faith-wise. Like, I'm like, all right, we got this, right? But it's the little things that just eat at you day after day. Man, little by little, and all of a sudden you're like, I just can't take it anymore. Who's ever said that? I can't do it anymore, God. I feel like I'm going to break. I feel like the world's caving in on me. I want to read you a really awesome scripture that God gave me, Nehemiah 6, 2 through 4. Nehemiah 6, 2 through 4. You guys know the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was building the wall around Jerusalem. Man, he was taking some hits from his enemies. They had a plot to stop him, to get him to stop his project, to get him to stop doing what they didn't like what he was doing. These two guys, Samballot and Geshem. So Samballot and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet with them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. Say, oh no, you didn't. Come on. Oh no. But I realized they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending them this message. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come down. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times. They sent the same message, and each time I gave the same reply. See, when you're on mission, you have to realize how important the mission is. You have to realize it's not worth 
coming off the wall. There are all sorts of things that will come at you in life that will constantly try and get you to come off the wall. And listen, pastors are no exception. We stand there day after day having to make a decision. I will stay on the wall today. People say, have you ever wanted to quit? Yes, absolutely. Every Monday there's low attendance. I want to quit. Come on, somebody. Just be honest here. You just feel like, what in the world? But you got to make something happen in your heart. You got to make a decision inside of you that says, I was given this wall to build. This is my mission. This is my place. And I cannot come down because I am engaged in a very great work. Do you understand how great the work is that you're engaged in? You're talking about lives in eternity. You're talking about people that, man, they need Jesus. They don't know it yet. They may not like him yet, but he still died for them. And he says, man, can you stay on the wall so they can come? Can you stay on the wall? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready to build the wall. See, here's the deal. The enemy will, will try all the time. He loves to make it sound like it's important, too. He'll come at you. See Sam Ballant and Gashem? They made it sound important. We have to, we need to, we really need to meet with you. I really need to get this next promotion. I really need to do this. I really need to do that. And God is saying, no, you need to stay on the wall that I put you on and not move until I ask you. But the enemy loves to make it sound really good. He'll even make it sound holy. He'll, He'll make it sound Man, like it's something God would have you do. But do you know not everything you do that sounds like God is God? That's right. That's so good. Like, what a but I got a scripture to back it up. I don't care. You got a mission that God has given you and you stay on that mission because God is directing you. And listen, the mission will be backed up by the word of God 100%. But here's what a lot of people do. They'll be building their wall. His wall looks a little better than mine. It's taken a long time to build this wall. Man, I've been praying that this wall would be built. There are too many people standing at the wall praying and God's saying, take the tools and start building. Start building. Oh, but I got to hurry to this, man. There were two guys that hurried on their way and they missed the will of God. It was a priest and a Levite. They walked right back past the good Samaritan, missed the will of God. They were on their way to something important. They were on their way to something godly, but they missed what God wanted to do because they let themselves be distracted by what was good rather than what was God. Do you hear me today? Part of the city church, listen. There's a lot of good things you can do. But God wants you to give up the good for the best. Give up the good for the best. Come on, look at your neighbor right now and say, I want to give up the good for the best. Listen, I was here as a youth pastor for eight years. Loved my job, loved my pastors, loved my church. It was awesome. And I could have said, this is good. I'm just going to hang out and stay in this. But I had to give up the good for what was best and what was God. And yeah, it took me some sacrifice. And it took me some tears. And it took me some things, man, giving up some things that I really loved. I love Coeur d'Alene. I didn't leave here because I don't love it. I didn't go out of this church because I don't love this church. I went out for one reason, because 
God said. The mission is God's mission, not your mission. You don't design the mission. You don't write the mission. You obey and follow the mission. Look at somebody right now and say, that's hard. We're going to get to this next point here. Number four. And before I even touch base on this point, I want you to understand something. Because there's got to be a thing inside of us that happens tonight. Because I believe God wants to do a work in our hearts. There's got to be a thing inside of us that takes what's being said and applies what's being said to our lives. Now, what I'm saying, I'm not some genius I didn't like spend hours in the prayer closet and this came to me. I've walked this out and learned this as I've gone in life. And these are practical things. And you need to understand something when we go through this. You look at someone like me and you might be like, well, that's cool for you. That's great for you. But until we make a decision, the mission is me, we will miss it every time. So just take your finger and go like this. The mission starts here. It starts right here. Hmm. God's going to do something great in some people's lives tonight. I feel it. We're going to get to this next point here. The best you is the weakest you. Is the weakest you. Somebody said, amen. <laughs> the best you is the weakest you. Man, thank you very much. Yes, I will take that. Thank you. Hallelujah. <laughs> He's like, brother's drowning up there. <laughs> the best you is the weakest you. Hmm. Holy Spirit, just work in this. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Paul having an argument with God. He's tired of his weakness. He's frustrated by it. He wants it gone. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Have you ever begged God to take something away? Have you ever pleaded with him to take something away? Have you ever shouted at him and said, please, God, I can't take this anymore. Take it away from me. He pleaded, he, he, he sought God, and each time he said, and this is an answer I don't think I would like, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Listen, my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, somebody say, when I'm weak? weak. Come on, when I'm weak? Then I am strong. The best you is the weakest you. Because then the power of God is strong, moving in you. I, I love how he starts. He, he talks about the messenger from Satan. You ever felt like you had a messenger from Satan? That extra grace required person? 
feel like you're a messenger from Satan just sent here to <laughs> frustrate my life. God, take him away. <laughs> Come on, you ever prayed something like that? That coworker feels like they're a messenger from Satan? Sometimes you wake up and you accuse your spouse, you're a messenger from Satan. <laughs> I never say that to my wife, though, ever. I've never felt that way, ever, no. <laughs> feel like that. I just, I just imagine, like, a messenger from Satan. Some people are like, I'm offended by that. I don't say that to my wife, just to clarify. <laughs> messenger from Satan. You know, a messenger from Satan... Satan doesn't always have to say what he's doing. He can just do something and it becomes a messenger from Satan in your life. Yeah. Disappointment can be a messenger from Satan. Frustration can be a messenger from Satan. Offense can be a messenger from Satan. Bitterness can be a messenger from Satan. Anger can be a messenger from Satan. We do not battle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of the air. There are things that are coming at you that you are saying, oh, I'll deal with that, or oh, it's not that bad, but it is a thorn in your flesh. It's a messenger from Satan just plaguing you. Anxiety, messenger from Satan, plaguing you, hindering you, holding you back. You know, there was one day I was walking around those same lakes, and there was three fountains that shoot up really high out of those lakes. And two of them are normal, and then one just goes skyrocketing up. And I remember as I'm walking, and it's one of those frustrated days, feeling like a messenger from Satan had hit me. And I'm walking, and I'm kind of down, and God says, Joe, why do you think that one fountain is so high? And I was like, I don't, I don't know, God. I don't really want to have this conversation right now. <laughs> <laughs> Like, why, can I just pray by myself, God? <laughs> so, Joe, why, why do you think that's so high? And I was like, I don't know. Why, God? And he says, the reason that one's so high is because of pressure. He said, Joe, the pressure makes you more effective. I could take the pressure off your life, but you would be less effective. Yeah. See, we're always looking to get out from underneath that messenger of Satan, but he's like, that is where I'm working best in your life. That's where I'm making you the most effective. So then you embrace your weakness and you go, yes, because in my weakness, his power's made perfect. In my weakness is where he works strong. In my weakness is where he helps me overcome. Listen, in your weakest moments, God says, that's perfect, because that's where I want to use you. That's where, listen, and it's not just about him getting the glory. It's so you get out of the way. Would you help me out here, bro? We're going to want to just show you guys something. I know you've seen things like this because your pastor's a hunter, and he's probably brought a, brought a bow up on, on stage before, huh? How many of you ever seen Pastor J.O. bring a bow up? Two of you, you haven't been around the church long enough. <laughs> the, it's interesting with a bow, because a bow has to have certain components to it to work, right? Has to have certain parts of it. So let me see one of these arrows for just a second. You can imagine you and I are like this arrow, okay? We have potential. Man, we got, we got the ability 
to be effective. This arrow was designed and straightened and, and made so that it could hit a target. And man, God designs you and he, he sets you straight and he makes you with the ability to hit a target. But there's more that has to happen than just having an arrow. So if I take this bow, and don't worry, I'm not going to shoot anybody tonight. Don't worry, I'm not going to shoot anybody. But you got to understand this, this bow right here, if I just take it and I, I don't pull it back or do anything and I just hit it, that arrow's not very effective, is it? It didn't go anywhere. It's a great arrow. It's straight. It's pointy. It's a good arrow. It was locked and loaded. It was ready to go. What? Man. See, this arrow, <laughs> this arrow right here, that arrow has to do something. When it clicks on this string, you know what I got to do? This string's got to draw back in order to work. It's got to be pulled back. They call it the draw. You guys ever shot it? It's called the draw. Listen, every drawback in your life is what brings you potential. Every drawback that you come up against Man, that drawback when you lost that job, it's a setup for your potential. That drawback when they put you out and they made fun of you and they didn't accept you, it's pushing you to your potential. That drawback, man, when that person broke up with you, your spouse left you, it is just pushing you towards your potential. Because every drawback is making power in your life. Every drawback is setting you up to accelerate into what God has for you. See, you understand what I'm saying if you've ever experienced a drawback. See, and in the moment of drawback, just stand there and hold that for just a second. In the moment of drawback, you think life is over. It's like, whoo, what? I'm losing everything. My dreams feel so far away. This isn't what I imagined, God. In the drawback, the picture's different than you thought it would be. Life is different than you thought it would be. And you're in that drawback. But here is one very important thing that arrow has to do. Let me just see that for a second. It can't just hold on to the string. The arrow must stay in the rest. You see, it is staying in the rest of the power of God, staying in the rest of his presence, staying in the rest of relationship with Jesus. It's not just about taking every drawback and be like, ah, I'm going to let my haters be my motivators. Stop that kind of thinking. God is your motivation. His rest is your strength. His rest gives you direction. He's the one. Look, you lay in that rest. See, if that, if that arrow flips out of that rest, it'll just it's definitely not going to hit the mark. It's going to hit a wall. It's going gonna, it's gonna to just fly off into the distance. See, too many people, when the drawback comes, they get unrested. They let their spirits get affected. They, ah, 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 anxiousness begins to build. And all of a sudden, ah, what's happening, God? I don't get it, God. And they begin to get unrest. And then when God sets them up for that moment, they aren't on target because they're so wound up. You got to stay in the rest. 
Stay in the rest. Now you say, well, that's a good word. Let me tell you, I've seen it work in my own life. I've seen times when I thought, it's over. I'll just pack up. It's all good. It's over. And then God says, just rest. And he leads me to scriptures like Exodus 14, 14, only be still and I will fight for you. I will fight for you. And boom, man, I stay in the rest. All right, God. He who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. And I stay in the rest, man. I don't, I don't just mind myself into the rest. I don't just grit myself into the rest. I rest because his word and his promises are true. And they never fail. And the words he's spoken over you and the things he said to you in the night, he meant them when he said it. God is not a man that he would lie. He is not somebody that makes stories up. He has a point when he says something to you. You got to stay in the rest. You know what's funny is a lot of people hear the rest and they're like, oh, I do need a vacation, Pastor. That's right. <laughs> you know, I need to get back in the rest. I'm going to take some days off, okay? Rest is not a moment. It's a lifestyle. And for you to be the best you, for you to stay on mission, you got to have a mind that stays in the rest, that is filled with peace. It's filled with the joy of the Lord that's your strength. And thank you so much. You can go ahead and jump down. Come on. These drawbacks, these moments. I want to talk to somebody tonight that's had a few drawbacks. That's had a few of those moments. And I want to let you know tonight, I can speak from personal experience. If you will let God use it. He will use it. Everything. You say, we don't understand. It was a big drawback. It was a bad drawback. It was a devastating drawback. You don't understand. My life fell apart. Man, I didn't expect that person to die. I didn't expect that thing to go on. I didn't expect it to work out this way. It was so bad. And God's just saying, come back to the rest. Come back to the rest. Come back to the place where you say, God. I don't understand what's happening. I can't make heads or tails of what's happening. But I know this. You are the alpha and omega. You are the beginning and the end. You're the one who started the writing of this script, and you will finish the writing of this script. Come on, would you just stand to your feet?